Hey everyone, welcome to our podcast for this week. Hope you're doing well. And I hope you've been enjoying our Elephants in the Room series. If you are new or visiting, Everyone Church may be checking us out. Make sure you find us on Instagram, Facebook. Head to our website, everyonechurch.com.au, and come and visit us in person. You know, every week we have in-person church. I make a special podcast version of the Sunday Sermon. And uh, and so it's so much better being in the room, just being honest. This podcast, it's not a substitute. It's a supplement. It's there for those who might not have been able to make it for different reasons. But the best thing to do is to come and join us at church on a Sunday. Hope you can join the journey with us. We use this term, elephants in the room, to refer to topics, problems, people that are so obvious, yet no one wants to address it. And we've been addressing some of these big elephants in the room uh, over the last number of weeks. And there are a number of hot topics that we don't talk about a lot in church life. And so far, we've talked about the suffering and evil. We Last week, we talked about end times. And it's funny how many of us could be in church for like years and years, even decades, and never hear about these type of topics. Now, why is that? Well, we've talked about this. Well, I think it's difficult. It's not popular. There are varying conclusions on all of them. Uh, and it become, can become uh, really divisive. Uh, we prefer feel-good sermons. And here's a big one, is it takes maturity and humility to serve and love someone I disagree with. So we'd rather just not talk about our disagreements. We'd rather just focus on, on, on the big feel-good topics. But I genuinely believe that we can find hope in the midst of difficult topics. And in some ways, we don't just learn to wrestle these dif- difficult elephants in the room and defeat them. Often we learn to walk with them and trust the Lord, and God uses them to help us. It's like we become friends with the elephants in the room, and God's Word is there to help us navigate difficult terrain. Amen? So at the start of each part of this series, I remind us of the ground rules we set in week one, because we don't want to just open up cans of worms and cause division and distraction and arguments. We've called them our five rules for wrestling an elephant, and they are, number one, we always point to Jesus. It's all about him. Amen. Number two is that we don't aim to just be right. We aim to love. This is not about winning arguments. This is about loving one another and being in unity together and journeying together in our following of Jesus. Number three is that we trust God and we learn to live with tension. You know, life is a trust fall into the arms of God. There's going to be some areas of life, some topics that we just might not find the full conclusion to until we enter heaven one day. And that's okay. That's where we trust the Lord. Number four is don't be lazy. If you find a topic that that you are like, that's really bugging you, study, look into it. You know, there's no question that you've asked that hasn't been asked before. And number five is don't do it alone or just on YouTube. Don't just, you know, Google or, or search YouTube and find some random video and forget that God has called you to live in community. Okay, don't we're not called to sit in our study and watch, you know, the YouTube rabbit hole and, and hear from who knows who, you know, just because some guy's YouTube channel looks amazing, it doesn't mean you know that if they have good character, or if they're submitted to godly authority. I think these things are really, really important and part of having a well rounded view on these difficult topics. So, our next elephant in the room, I hope you're ready for this, is the topic of. Politics. 
Here we go. It was a resounding victory for Labour on Saturday night. What does this tell us about the broad political direction in Australia? Yeah, a once in a hundred year type event. Australia is in recession and it's the most severe one on record. To go into lockdown. Many thousands of Australians will lose their jobs. I never have and never will do anything wrong. It's not an illegal practice. Uh, unfortunately, it does happen from time. I call to, to spread kindness. Not Exports. China wants dominance in the Western Pacific. Different. Putting the member for Fairfax in charge of a review on nuclear wars. May or may not be over. All right, all right. That's enough of the intro. Although, let the music ride a bit. Let it just let it happen. You know, John Farnham, the voice. As I was thinking about what kind of intro we'd have this week, I had to have that song in there. Um, but we probably should get back to the topic at hand. Politics. This is a big one. Something that affects all of us. Something that can become so polarizing and divisive. Uh, something that is rarely talked about in church. And if it is talked about, it's usually tied into some political uh, agenda. Uh, but for me, I, I, I sometimes find it exhausting to think about politics and talk about politics. It's, it's like so much energy is used for seemingly so little change. But we want to talk about it today. And the goal is not to tell you who to vote for or how to vote. Uh, we are really asking the questions of how should we approach this as Christians? Do we need to be protesting and petitioning, or do we just sit back and trust the Lord or whatever? Uh, and I thought it would be good to start this topic by interviewing a Christian politician. Now, I had the privilege of interviewing Tanya Davies uh, just a few short days ago, and Tanya is the state member for Badgerys Creek, which is a, a an area just near us, actually, just a stone's throw away. And Maria and I have known Mark and Tanya Davies and their family for many years. We went to church together literally for decades. And uh, and I just thought it would be great chatting to a genuine Christian. I can personally vouch for her that she's a genuine Christian, her and her husband, committed, faithful followers of Jesus. And although uh, Maria and I may know Tanya a little bit, you might not. So I thought we'd start the interview by me asking her the big question, who is Tanya Davies? Oh my goodness, that's a huge question. <laughs> um, well, as you said, uh, married to Mark, um, been married this year. It, I'm actually starting to forget, isn't that terrible? I think it's 27 years, I think, <laughs> we're about to, um, to reach. And we have two children, Laura, who is uh, 16, just turned 16, and I'm teaching her how to drive. It's like so scary. <laughs> and a little Harry, a little Harry who is turning seven this year. Um, so we live in Western Sydney. Um, I moved to Western Sydney when I married Mark, who's a Western Sydney boy, and um, I came originally from Newcastle and I came to Sydney to go to university. Um, so I finished with a physiotherapy from the University of Sydney. Um, I worked in that field for a short time because I actually didn't really enjoy it. So I, I left that field and I basically just went and just found work wherever I could. I did all sorts of different things, um, which, as it turns out now, being in politics, in public service, that really, really broad, diverse range of experiences from pumping petrol at a petrol station to cleaning to tutoring students in Year 12 to being a, a secretary to being an administrative assistant, you name it, it all actually all came together to really help me be a more well-rounded um, servant of the people. So got into politics um, in 2008 
the year after our daughter was born because I really had a sense that I personally had to be involved to make our community a much better place. And my husband was already um, involved in local council on Penrith City Council, and um, I saw how he directly helped people. Not not just I'm not not talking about writing letters. I'm not talking about sitting in meetings. I'm actually talking about making phone calls, make change happen on the ground, real tangible change. That's awesome. And so, where did you mentioned some of your 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 background there? Where did politics come into the mix? Like, where did that passion come from? Uh, you mentioned that kind of. Uh, a desire to you know serve the community is that is that kind of where it birthed out of yeah so if I look back on my life a lot of my or pretty much all of my my jobs my my employment were were sort of centered around helping people it was physiotherapy whether it was tutoring whether it was um, a secretary for someone else like it was always around supporting someone else and helping someone else so that's that has always been who I am as a person. Uh, then in the early or the mid-1990s, late 1990s, there was a gentleman by the name of Peter Daniels who um, was a phenomenal businessman um, from South Australia, very, very successful businessman um, and a strong Christian who went around churches in Australia and basically challenged the church individuals in the church to get out of the four walls of the church and get into the community to be the salt, the light in the community for Jesus. And he sat there and he said, look, you know, join a community group, you know, join a political party, join this, do that. Like he just threw out all these options. And at that time, both my husband and I, we sat there and we we both of us captured the join a political party a bit and said, whoa, can Christians really do that? <laughs> That's how we were so so unaware of um, of really what our role is in the sense of the Great Commission, go out into all the world. Well, it means all the world, every part of it, and make disciples. And so we did. We joined our local um, Liberal Party. That's where we sort of aligned ourselves mostly with in Penrith purely just to get into the community, to meet people who didn't know Jesus and to help and serve in the community because we were doing our serving in the church but we weren't doing anything in the community. And so from that came these doors that began to open and first of all it was my husband who was asked to run on Penrith Council and then um, then later it was uh, myself in 2008 had a really desire to um, make a difference to the community because I was a new mum and I wanted to make a change, I wanted to fix things that were just left um, ignored for so long. And that's where it really came from. Great. Now, you're currently the state member for Badgerys Creek. And uh, we're, we're the reason why we have you here is because we've, we're doing a teaching series that we're calling The Elephants in the Room, where we're basically addressing the, the big topics and and and. Uh, things in life that they're always there, but for some reason in church life, we, it's just not talked about a lot, like especially from the pulpit. Um, why do you think that is? Why do you think the church doesn't engage in in healthy dialogue about the world of politics? Hmm. Great question. <clears throat> I think um, there's an element of being fearful of offending people um, or of creating division um around political views 
but I, I commend you for for even talking about this subject because it needs to be spoken of in Christian circles um, and we, we need to be more active and to be and hold our governments to account. Um, look, I've been in state politics now for just over 12 years and, and I can tell you that, that the rate of change in relation to the direction of our nation um, is accelerating towards a direction that is not healthy for us as a nation. Um, the level of government control, government interference in people's lives is is not good and we need more people, we need our whole community to be, A, aware of what is actually happening and what governments, whatever per- persuasion they are, what governments are doing. And then, B, we need people to be active and be activated and actually speak up, have their say and stand up for what they believe because I can tell you, in politics, there are plenty of people who have um, agendas that I would, from my perspective, my worldview, would see as detrimental to family life, as detrimental to parenting, as detrimental to the safe and healthy raising of children. There are plenty of people with those agendas in politics speaking up and having their say, well, we also, from our worldview, should also be in that place, having our say and standing up for what we believe. Yeah, it's a great answer. And, you know, as sometimes as Christians, we tend to lean towards almost like this passive, gracious approach to the world where we're like, we just love everybody and, and, you know, don't want to rock the boat too much. So like, why should a Christian, why should a Christian in Sydney uh, care about politics? Like, why should, you know, sometimes you can become so numb to it all, the the news, the, the constant bombardment, why should we care? Why should we wake up to these uh, this big elephant in the room because it it affects your life it affects your pay packet it affects your freedoms it affects your taxation it it affects every part of your life um so if you remain passive i know um, a lot of christians say oh, i'm praying for you you know we're, we're praying for you and and i'm going and i go oh, thank you i i receive and and i'm grateful for your prayers but However, you also can be involved. And, in fact, I need you to be involved. I need you to speak up, to stand up, because you are a part of our community. So why should you feel either pressured to be silent or feel nervous to speak up? Because you are actually a part of the Australian fabric. You have just as much right to speak up and say what you believe as the person next to you. And, in fact, people like me need people who have a Christian faith or, in fact, any faith to stand up and speak up because right now in New South Wales, people who have a religious faith, whatever that may be, we actually have less rights than someone under the anti-discrimination legislation than someone who may um, have an ethnic um, background or have a different sexual um, preference, etc. People of faith have less rights in New South Wales. That's the reality. Yeah. And so... Hence why we need more people of faith. The latest census said that it was around 63.5% of Australians who have some sort of faith. Well, that is certainly not represented in terms of members of parliament mm-hmm. in any jurisdiction. So I need you. People like me need people like you to speak up and be a part and help protect what we have and, and pull back what has been lost already. Yeah. 
And, and you mentioned how, you know, sometimes this topic isn't addressed and, and or engaged with because of that, you know, cause of disunity or tension with fellow brothers and sisters in 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 church, how have you gone about staying united? You know, we, we were we were part of the same church for uh, over a decade, probably decades, and um, and you guys were always you and Mark and the family were always such so engaged in the church. There was never a sense of like, oh, oh, there's the there's the politician people, you know, walking in. Oh, you know, but how have what what, what has helped you remain in fellowship with with other Christians of different political affiliations, different opinions? What has helped you in in that area? Yeah, so I think first and foremost, um, I endeavour in all engagements, in all interactions with people to treat everyone respectfully and treat everyone as I would like to be treated. Um, Because as a follower of Jesus, I am his representative here on earth. So that is a massive, massive responsibility that I have um, to ensure that I am someone that is integral, someone that is um, trustworthy, someone that, that is dependable, believable, etc. So so number one, that that's that's how I have to see myself, that I am this person first and foremost. And secondly, people are different. People um, have um, different backgrounds, different viewpoints, etc. And at the end of the day, um, you can't win people over in on any discussion, even sharing the gospel. If you come at them in a very aggressive or a demanding or a controlling way, it's about building relationships. It's about being kind to people, creating that bridge, that pathway that reaches them. And in time, you can start to share, um, you know, your beliefs, your belief system, and 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 try and show them why it's the right way to go about it. So, in summary, like who I am as a, as a person, as a follower of Christ, I I am someone that that I represent Jesus, which is a huge, huge responsibility. And so how I engage with people, how I discuss issues has to come from that perspective, has to come from that influence. Having facts is very, very important, not just things or feelings, but actually having facts to put an argument to someone. But then at the end of the day, when all is said and done, at the end of the day, politics is politics. It's just a list of ideas, it isn't what's going to save the world, it isn't what's going to redeem someone's heart, it isn't what's going to rescue someone from addiction, it's the message of Jesus at the end of the day. And that's why we as Christians have to be, we are called to be in every sphere of life to influence and to penetrate with the light and the message of Jesus. But politics isn't the hope of the world. And I always have that as my mindset that at the end of the day, um, I was door knocking in Oran Park for the election and I came across this lady and um, she looked pretty distressed and um, it was a a very difficult situation she was in and I just sensed the Holy Spirit say, ask if you can pray for her. And so I did. I said, would would you allow me to pray for you? And she said yes. And so I prayed for her on her doorstep in Oran Park because Again, it's it's the message of Jesus that will change the world, and I I, I in my role I, I I do this role to the best of my ability, 
but at the end of the day I know I know that it's it's a collection of ideas and we do our best with with the situation we're in in politics but end of the day it's it's actually Jesus who changes lives and who restores marriages and who heals from pain and who restores and so having that perspective um, helps a lot, particularly when you're in situations in politics that, that are pretty awful and, and <laughs> pretty ugly at times. Yeah, yeah. Well, that I I love that answer. I appreciate that encouragement. What are some um, first steps to uh, for just the the average person who, who who might not necessarily feel a uh, a huge calling to you know dive right into the the political realm but like what are some first steps to just being more uh engaged more informed uh more uh, useful in this area so i think really importantly is to be informed to actually be aware of what governments are proposing in terms of changing the laws and so uh give you a moment the albanese labor government federally are proposing a misinformation disinformation bill now i don't know if anyone in your church has heard about this or understand what's involved but essentially it's about if it passes becomes law it is essentially enabling the government whoever they are of the day to determine that if you say something or write something even facebook social media whatever um, that they deem as misinformation and they are the ones that say it's misinformation, then they actually can fine you and cancel you. Now, the government and those bureaucracies that sit under government are excluded from that. So it is just targeting citizens. Now, that's, that is hugely alarming because what it means is if there's a government who is anti-Christian in every sense of the word, they can deem anything that is spoken or written about Christianity as misinformation and have people fined and people shut down. And it's it stemmed out of COVID where we now know that the government was actively involved in li- liaising with Twitter and Facebook to try and get posts and try and get Facebook groups shut down because they were sharing about rallies to protest legally protest um, lockdowns and and other government decisions. Um, And then there are about 4,000 posts that were actually deleted, even though now it's been proven that they were true. So here you've got a, a government that's now proposing to change the law that will make them the arbiter of what can be said and what can't be said. And that is a massive, massive threat to freedom of speech. And, and for example, that's why we need citizens to be aware of what is going on so that they can be activated and write letters and sign petitions and, and argue against these changes. So being involved, um, reading good newspapers, following um, some very um, clever people on Twitter or Facebook because they, they update information, but also finding um, your, your, your grouping. So if you're something, someone that loves and is really passionate about children and parenting, then find those groups online that, that stand for protecting traditional family values and join them, join with them, help them 
um, when they raise issues, when they campaign um, against um, changes to laws, etc. So awareness and being activated is is what what I need everyone to to do. It doesn't mean that you have to personally step up and be like the person in, in parliament, um, but certainly be involved and and join join this big push to to actually protect our freedoms here in this nation before they're gone. Um, now, hey, first of all, I do want to just say, you know, as we wrap up, uh, I want to honour you and thank you for uh, just being so strong and bold with your faith in that political world. And I know um, even particularly for standing up for the rights of the unborn, uh, for uh, standing up for the rights of people of faith, um, I've always, you've always been an inspiration to me and many others, uh, you know, and we've had the privilege of, you know, somewhat knowing you and the family and knowing that it's not just a, a, a political front, it's it's an authentic outworking of your faith. And I just want to honor you for that. And thank you so much. And how I know you mentioned before, we we're kind of having a chuckle of, um, you know, people just offering prayers, but nothing else. We will do more than just pray. But how, you know, because the word tells us to pray, how can we pray for you? Is there any uh, particular areas that, um, you know, we have a, a pray day on the first Sunday of every month where we join as together as a church to pray for specific needs. Are there any specific areas that you're like, hey, let's be praying for this together um, as people of faith? Yeah. So always very happy to receive prayers. I know prayer is very powerful. Um, I think um, I'm always asking God for wisdom, Um, wisdom to know when to speak, when not to speak, when when to stand up and fight for something because you can't fight everything there's just there's too many issues you've got to be really careful um how you allocate your energy and your time so having wisdom is really really important and just i guess um just praying that that god will keep his favor on my life and and grace me for for what I do in this place. Uh, it's not always easy, particularly when you've, you're discussing um, issues, legislation that uh, is completely against everything that you believe in, and and yet you still need to treat those people um, with kindness and dignity and respect, even though they're believing something that is quite shocking. Um, so just have have grace on my life to engage you know with my colleagues in relation to that and wisdom yeah i think will be the two two grace wisdom well we'll be praying for that for sure and uh, i want to thank you for joining us today and uh, you don't live too far away so one day you and the family should come and visit get a free coffee from the cafe downstairs and we actually meet at a go-kart track so you and the fam can race some go-karts right after church Oh, wow. Harry would love that. (laughs) And Laura. (laughs) Well, hey, thank you so much. And uh, we'll we'll hope to see you again sometime soon. Appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. Well, how good was that? Thank you, Tanya, for joining us and taking the time to be with us. Uh, You know, it's really encouraging to know that there are people out there representing Jesus uh, in the tricky field of politics. So how should we approach this as Christians? Do we need to protest and petition to, or do we just sit back and trust God? Here's the thing. The Bible doesn't give us a specific political platform or preference. Scripture is filled with all different political systems. To be honest, much of the Old Testament is a monarchy system. 
The New Testament is under the Roman Empire. And we today are part of a representative democracy, So, uh, which is an idea that was birthed out of a Christian ethos, just so you know, uh, this thought that everybody is valuable and should have a say in democracy. Now, the heart of the Bible is to reveal Jesus and to show God's relationship to mankind. It's not a political textbook. It's a life book. And remember, we build our life off of the principles in Scripture. And there are a few key Scriptures in the New Testament that talk about governing authorities, namely in um, 1 Peter chapter 2, which, just to paraphrase, it talks about submitting to human authority. And also, uh, probably the more famous verses in Romans uh, chapter 13, verse 1 to 7. Let me just read verse 1 that says, Everyone must submit to governing authorities, for all authority comes from God, and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. Now think about that. They are speaking, or Paul, who's writing Romans, is speaking into an empire culture that was killing Christians, uh, where people didn't have a democratic voice or vote. So let's just remember that any mature understanding of these scriptures would also conclude that there is an order to that submission, because our ultimate authority is God. And if earthly authority tells us to disobey God, well, guess what? God wins, doesn't he? And so where do we begin today? And I want to encourage us as we close to consider two practical things about engaging in politics, about wrestling this big elephant in the room. Number one is remember who you are representing. And number two is remember who is representing you. So let's start by talking about what we're working with. By God's grace, we are part, in, in Australia, we are part of a representative democracy. We live in a country where voters can elect candidates to carry out the business of government. In our nation, politics is numbers. And where we, the people, are meant to be represented by those who are governing. And we hold those in voted positions to account. When you vote, you're asking someone to do governance on your behalf. But we all know that that's not always the case. There's lobbying groups, um, minority groups, aggressive progressivism, people who play the system to their advantage. But remember, in this type of system, we have the responsibility to represent our faith, right? Uh, To use our representation for good. So let's pray for those in authority, obviously. Let's petition for causes and views that represent what our God values. Because we know and we believe as Christians that God's way is the best way. It's the best way for family health. It's the best way for the health of our communities. I love what Tanya said. She said, politics isn't the hope of the world. Jesus is. And we as Christians are called to represent his way. Jesus' way. I love what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19 to 20. It says, For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them, and he gave us the wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. We're called to represent Christ. Now, that verse isn't talking about politics per se, but it is talking about representing Him in every area of our world, at home, at work, at the shops, at our kids' sporting events, in our community. You're called to be an ambassador for Christ. And you may not believe it, it's, but it's also in the area of politics. And as a Christian, you can't put your faith on the bench in this area of life. And also remember, being a representative democracy, there will be other representations that collide with our beliefs. There will be others who advocate for things that we don't believe is right or just or honors God. And herein lies the battle that we must approach with grace and kindness and truth, right? The the Bible doesn't have a specific verse or teaching uh, of how we go about 
politics, but what it does show us through story and examples of the past is the right way to view our world. And I think we need to view our world in a biblical light. Firstly, we know that we are in a fallen world. We learn this in Scripture, a sinful world where humankind is inherently selfish, where Scripture shows us all throughout that humanity doesn't improve over time. It's like an even line outside of like education and maybe some medical improvements in recent uh, modern history, our sinfulness is still the same. It's still as prideful and selfish as it was in Eden. Reinhold Niebuhr said, Original sin is that thing about man which makes him capable of conceiving his own perfection and incapable of achieving it. What a great quote. And because we know humans are sinful, we need to approach our world with humility and an understanding that we can't improve things ourselves. In, In fact, we need God. There's no perfect political utopia that creates heaven on earth. To think that would be further evidence of our pride. Another thing that scripture shows us is that everyone is formed in God's image. We are all of equal value, every race, male or female, born or unborn. We are all valuable to God and we hold life as a sacred gift from God. We don't just throw life away for financial benefit or to avoid discomfort. And also scripture shows us that because of this We see this pattern over and over again. To disclude God from society leads to failure. Purely secular societies have been a colossal failure throughout history. So there are goalposts that we should aim towards, right? So let's represent what God values. Not just what I value, but or what our current culture values, or what my pay packet values. No, as Christians, we represent Christ. And on the flip side, let's remember who is representing us. Let's be aware of what is happening in government with with the right information to ensure that our representation isn't going way off the rails. You know, Tanya shared some things today that I wasn't aware of. I want to be more informed, don't you? Come on. So let's remember who we are representing and who is representing us. And the big point is here is that we're representing Jesus to others, aren't we? We're shining his light. What light are you shining throughout the week? The light of argument and, and, and anger, and, and, or are you shining the light of Christ? Come on. In the end, politics doesn't save people. Jesus does. Amen. Amen. Well, I hope this has been informative to you and encouraging to you uh, and uh, to walk with this elephant of politics that is not going away anytime soon is can be tricky. But remember, we're not just walking with a, a topic or an ideal. We're walking with people. And we want to represent Jesus to others. Amen. I thought we'd close today by praying for our government. So wherever you are, whenever you are, join with us over these next couple of moments as we pray together. Lord, we come before you. We thank you for the privilege that it is to be in this beautiful country of Australia. We thank you for all the blessings that you've given us. And we thank you that we are part of a a representative democracy where we can vote and we can have a voice in the areas of government. And Lord, we lift up our governing authorities. We ask that you would give them wisdom. And we particularly pray for those who are Christians in the area of politics. Lord, give them boldness and protection as they help influence our politics for good. And we pray for the church, Lord, that the church would rise up and be bold and unashamed in these difficult times, Lord, that we would represent you well with love, truth, and grace, Lord, and that the gospel would go forward, that no policies or political agendas would get in the way of the gospel, the truth of Jesus going forward in our nation, in your name and for your glory. Amen. Amen. Well, I hope you have an amazing week this week. We're going to dive into another hot topic next week, so make sure you don't miss it. 
but we hope to see you soon. Come and join us at church in person. Have a great week.